Welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the podcast from the Marketing Minds at GConvert.com, where we talk about the current state of all things digital and how they impact home builders and developers around the globe. We're not here to sell you. We're here to help you and try to elevate the conversation. I'm the ad doctor, Andrew Peak, and today is episode 197 with Julie Jarnigan and Becca Thomas. Hi. Hi. Oh my goodness. That's, I say this every time. Kevin's out. I'm reading the thing. That took me like six times to read. It really didn't. It was only two times, <laughs> but it's still, it's so much. We're here to elevate the conversation. How's everyone's week going? Good. Really good. I'm like, Kevin. what day of the week even is it? Um, I don't yeah. even know. We're what? <laughs> a week past by. the Builder Show? Two weeks past the Builder Show? I don't know. It's still like, that's the start of the year, I feel like. Um, and I'm like, okay, now we can do things. And I'm out next yeah. week. It's like our annual Escape the Kiddos we're going to Key West, which is you know five six hours south of us, so we're looking forward to that. Um, yeah, but it's, that it's, sounds we, awesome. We didn't feel like flying mm-hmm. out of the country. Usually, we'd rather go like international. We're like mm, maybe maybe we don't do that for now, like with COVID and all this sort of thing going on. Although hopefully next year we'll be kind of back to normal with that for our escape the kiddos vacation. Yeah, fun. Yeah, fun. We cool. need to do one of those. I'm kind of jealous. You do. A lot Everyone of people should. are traveling at Do You Convert right now. This is. Wanna, I feel like I we go, go in somewhere. phases. Like there's definitely the March, <laughs> February and March people. Mm-hmm. Summer, we don't typically do anything. Then there's fall. But yeah. My kids are home from school next week because it's Mardi Gras week. And if um, you live in Louisiana, they just let out school for a week for yeah. Mardi Gras. And so. what do you do then when it's nice. that week, Mardi Gras um, week? A lot of people go to Disney. We don't, okay. but a lot of people do. <laughs> that doesn't um, seem like Mardi Gras. Well, on Fat Tuesday, we'll go to a parade. So I'll probably take okay. a morning off for a parade on Fat Tuesday, but. I feel like unless you live there, like you really don't know what all this really like. You could hear mm-hmm. it, and you're like, "Oh, that seems like a parade. Everyone's been to parade, but I'm sure it, it must be different." Yeah, being- no, it's fun, and I wasn't from here, so it was all new to me too. But that's fun. Nice. nice. Well, let's uh, jump into story time. Becca, you're up first. All right. So over the last, uh, you know, this year, I would say, lots and lots of builders are only selling spec homes. And have either chosen to remove base pricing completely, or let's say a couple of them have sold out of a particular home within the phase, and and maybe that's the lowest base price that's available for homes to be built. Some have decided to remove the plan completely. Others have decided to keep it up there, but there's kind of a gray area that we were talking yeah. about with a builder today. What do you do about pricing? Do you leave the exact base price up there, even though you can't sell that house specifically today? Do you need to put like a coming soon? Do you remove the pricing? There's so many different it options could feel you can do. Deceiving. I think to paint the picture of this, yeah. so so it's easy. Your builder, you have Happy Acres. You have four spec homes that are. 400, 420, 450, 460, but you actually have a smaller floor plan that's 385. Do you yes. ever show that 385 price, even though you're like, we're not going to have that until right now we're February. We're not going to have that until June. We might have the next phase, or maybe it's actually in the fall. And if you continue with only building spec, like maybe you're like, we're not going to build the smallest floor plan because these higher priced homes are selling. And that's what we'd rather sell versus the, the smallest floor plan. So do you keep that one up? Do you not keep it up? I don't know if if, to me, it feels like if you're never going to actually sell that, if it won't actually be available, then it's not available. Yeah. Be there. Right. Right. Or if you've got one coming up in say, you know, 
two months. Do you really want to assign a price to it when there's so many supply chain issues that contribute to pricing, like the actual cost of the home varying so much that a lot of builders are not wanting to put a price on a home until they're almost complete. So yeah. Do you keep the base price for that house on the website when you know that that house at any given time could be anywhere from fifty to a hundred thousand dollars more, depending on what the options are? And a lot of times we were talking about it's an issue of because it pulls from the back end, it's a very specific uh, price. So it's like, 385, 282, or whatever it is. Yeah. And that looks very specific to somebody. So that makes them think like, I can't get one at this price. Whereas if you say upper 300s or something more general, but sometimes depending on how your website's set up, it just pulls that number automatically. So you can't enter an option. So that's something you have to think about too. Where's that number coming from? And can you change it based on, you know, make it whatever you want? That's yeah. Because yeah, your yeah. back end nimble enough to be able to change prices when you need them to based on, you know, what's available. I agree. This is where I feel like the role of a, I'm not even sure what, what the actual role is, but like the customer experience, customer advocate type person is where they don't, at least in my mind, they don't answer to anybody. They're truly like, they're the advocate for the customer and they could bring up these things like, Hey, this is not really customer centric. Like people call in, they're, they're feeling deceived whether that's not the intention at all by anybody, I don't think, but like that person, no. like that's their job is to poke holes into every system of how it is not positive experience for the customer, even if it's a neutral experience. I think things will be negative, neutral or positive. And if they call in, they're like, we actually won't have that floor plan for a while. We're not really sure when it'll be built. It's on there because we used to build it. It's like, oh, it's not available. Why would you like, I feel you're tricking me. What's happening here? Even more yeah. so if the ads show 380, then they go to the site and it's 440, 450. You're like, that's a little different uh, different price point there. Um, and you're, you're potentially wasting clicks on that. So yeah. that gray area, I mean, every state is different about different with the laws that they have about pricing. Some states you can only put the base pricing if you can buy that home that day. So I think the main takeaway is because it's such a gray area and it's different for every geographical location to kind of check into your local area's regulations on pricing. Which are not easy to find. No. So anyone <laughs> has like the cheat code for that, which I don't think anyone does. I mean, someone has to, but like, yeah, it's hard. I try to find it just for like Pinellas County, like where I'm at in Florida. So I'm looking at like the Tampa Bay Realtor Association. I'm like going up the funnel. I'm like, this is like a pain in the butt to find the right answers. Maybe I'm just looking in the wrong place. Help us out if we if there's an I easier way. I think it would have this. to be consumer goods because I think the Realtor Association is so used to dealing with just resale homes yeah. where this isn't an issue that I think it would have to be with consumer pricing. I'll have to look into that. Definitely, yeah. you're on the right track. Dooley, what do you got? Yeah. So um, I posted something in the Market Proof Marketing Group, and it was a fun conversation. Um, I just, it was a post about celebrating our marketing coordinators, marketing managers, content creators, all the people who aren't the marketing directors and aren't the vice presidents, all the support people. Um, I'm a little biased because I was, I had a bunch of different, uh, Steve Shoemaker, who was 
the marketing um, director, later the VP and now the president, he would change my title every, I don't know. We made up so many titles for me. We never knew what my title was because a lot of times in these positions, you wear a lot of hats and your position changes a lot. And a lot of times, no one outside of your department has any idea what you do day to day. (laughs) And even Mm -hmm. if you explained it, they still wouldn't know. So anyway, we just wanted to recognize all of um, those people and y'all play an integral role. So important. You have a lot to contribute. Sometimes we don't hear from you guys as much in in the groups and things, um, but we just want you to know that you have a lot to say and we want to hear from you and we want to get to know you. And um, it was fun seeing all the marketing directors doing little shout outs to their, you know, team and about, Mm -hmm. about how great they were. So that was fun to see. And if you are a leader, you know, send your team great podcasts and articles and Andrew's content, say the name of it. Oh, the visual content it. series. Visual content series. Yeah. Sorry, I about missed it. Send them all those things. Because when I was in that role, Steve, it's a great role because Steve was really good at, you know, the big picture stuff, thinking about everything as a whole. And I really liked the details and I really liked putting plans into action. So those people who are actually in the systems every day, putting the plans into action, have a lot of good feedback a lot of times Steve would be like, let's do this. And I was kind of known for being like, well, here's all the reasons that might not <laughs> work. And sometimes, <laughs> you know, we would still do it, but we would figure out how to work around those problems. So it can be a real um, team effort. And we just want to recognize you guys who are out in the trenches doing all the doing all the work. Definitely. And yeah. I, I just want to add on to it because, yeah, Julie and I talked about this on Tuesday. We, we had our one of our scheduled calls and kind of the idea came up with like, these the people in these positions like might not participate as much in different groups because you're in there like, oh, this is a group that my boss is in like quite a bit. Like this is, I don't want to say something wrong because not only yes. do I have the group judging what I'm saying, I have the person who, you know, quote, signs my check or has an influence on my career is now like, oh, Andrew said that. Like, oh, shoot. Like this isn't good. <laughs> like oh, maybe it needs some education there. But I think of it like, okay, we have just different – quote, generations within the building industry. Typically, you go to Builder Show, you're seeing mostly this generation or this level of title, I guess. But everyone needs to be brought up, and it's kind of like whoever is beneath you as far as experience goes, not beneath you as in like a person, but just experience level. Like to me, it's like your role to bring them up, to bring them close to you. And then whoever's more experienced than you, it's their role and their job to also bring you up. So it's kind of this rinse and repeat cycle of everyone kind of helping everyone else to get better. Um, Yeah. And a lot of those people are going to be the leaders, you know, um, of the coming years. Yeah. Um, And then also you have a lot, you know, when people are in there asking questions, like we had somebody asking a question the other day about different um, customer experience apps and programs. Well, if you're the person who's in that every day because of your role, or you're the person in the CRM every day, you do have different feedback to give than maybe the marketing director. So we 100%. we welcome all opinions, throw it in there, yes. speak up. So you, yeah, everybody has an important role to play. Yeah, definitely participate. I think there's yeah. when the people, at least when I view comments, like it, if 80% of the, what person's comment is not useful, but there's that one sentence you're like, oh, that's it. That's what I wanted to hear. So, so like yep. one sentence can make a difference yeah. for someone else. So. Cool. Well, my story time, I got a, f- I got a few of them here. Um, one is like a very high level 
like thought that I'm just thinking about. So way back in the day, this is like pre-DYC. Oh, geez, this might be like eight, nine years ago. I remember working with this company on their PPC um, for it was software as a service on some really big, expensive keywords. And one of those words was digital transformation which sounds like a load of garbage, right? Like what does that even what does that even mean digital transformation? It sounds awful. But if you google it and go read like two or three articles on it people talking about it, to me that is a more accurate word to use as far as what we're looking for for like this quote buy online is really like a complete digital transformation of the buying process because you it might not make sense until you go and read what is digital transformation. You'll be like, oh, we're just like, we're improving efficiencies. We're knocking down walls. We're making everything talk to each other seamlessly in real time. Like, and all these things will, is what's needed to enable this buy online process. Or buy online, it's the same process that someone in the model home or sales center will take a buyer through. Will be the same. In my mind, it's the same screen. There's no reason to have redundancy as far as like, okay, let's build out your home. Here's a floor plan. Here's a home site. Here's a home site. Here's a floor plan. Here's the structural options suite. Here's your design studio appointment. Here's financing. All these things will just be seamlessly connected, which you could do with sales or on your own. It's the same process. I'm like, this is just digital transformation, which is just like, it's extremely complicated. And there's so (laughs) many dependencies. There's so much things to fix. And it's not always the digital side being corrected. It's like, oh, we have a lot of business processes that have to change to enable this which is good because those business processes were inefficient or are inefficient. So it was just, I'd had that moment last night. I'm like, this is what it is. Oh my goodness. And that might be a good way to explain it to people within your organization who don't understand that it has to be a digital transformation. You know, if somebody's just saying, why can't we put the button on there and you're having trouble making them understand why it's not that simple then maybe that's a good concept to use. Even like, let's reserve a home site. That's simple. There's 50 home sites. We could just have 50 products on the site, add to cart. It's like, well, what if like this person's already talking about it or they're meeting or in conversations with us? Like, can things be held a little bit? Is there like a wait? I don't know. It's it's really complicated. And the other one is is TikTok. Oh, no. Which I feel like <laughs> a lot of people might have the perception that like we hate TikTok. Which I, it's not true. That I think that market stems come that comes from everyone has a finite amount of time. And this is speaking about marketing, like Infra Builder. You could make a video and then it gets how many views on, say, Instagram? 500 views, depends on your followers. You throw it on TikTok and maybe it gets 100 views or it gets 2 million views. Or you take an ad, you throw it on Facebook, you can spend $100 on it, $50, whatever it is they need. And you're like, well, that kind of guarantees results, like the Facebook ad or Google ads. So if you have a limited amount amount of time, it makes sense not to worry about TikTok and all these things. But over time, as team sizes grow, there's now more people have like a full-time content creator. They're creating content more frequently, adding in TikTok to be a percent of the time that they take. It's just editing differently or just making content differently for it. I'm like, I think that there could be opportunity here for builders to, to have it in the mix, depending on how many areas they build in, how many homes they build, do they already have the processes in place? Um, So this kind of stemmed from two things. One, uh, Rachel Peters at Keystone Custom Homes, I interviewed her for the visual content series. And we talked about how she creates short form video for Instagram Reels and TikTok. And it takes her like five to 10 minutes, her and her team. But they're already going to a home 
to do other content. And so it's just like a piece of their menu that they're doing. So it's not a big, it's not a big deal, but they're already doing it. If they went out there just to create the TikTok video, even like she admitted like that would, that would not be a good use of her time, but we're already there doing pictures. We're already there doing other videos. She's doing a formal walkthrough of the floor plan where Rachel's actually on video. Like, Hey, this is Rachel Keystone Homes. This is this floor plan, et cetera. So it's just part of this whole content mix. So I think it's, it's definitely worth exploring. But the second part of that is like, I think if you are going to push anything on there, you need to be on there yourself and 100%. figure it out, um, which I used to be like, oh my gosh, it's terrible. It's terrible. But the algorithm, you give it like a couple of days and all of a sudden you're like, oh my, this is like a little dopamine drip of like switching through the channels. I don't have, I haven't had cable TV in years, but it's like, okay, watch two minutes of that show. Then two minutes of this, two minutes of this. Next thing you know, you have 30, 30 minutes have gone by and you're like, oh, I don't even know what happened, but that seemed, seemed like a good time. <laughs> like, what is this? But you have to give it, give it a shot for like a couple of days. Yeah, I think before you can dive in to something like TikTok, you have to understand it first. It's not, it is different than Instagram. All these things are different than each other. So it can be a part of your strategy. It shouldn't be your strategy for driving a bunch of leads to a coming soon community. Yeah, but if no. it wants to be a piece and you have the time and the bandwidth for it, but yeah, you need to understand it. Don't go hand it to somebody who has never been on TikTok hates yeah. TikTok, thinks TikTok is stupid, it's not going to work. But yeah. if you have somebody who's already kind of in that world, likes it, understands it, knows how to implement, not use too much time, then maybe. Yeah. I even put out there, so this is to the marketing coordinators. If the person above you who makes yes or no decisions on if you could do something, if they've not used it, to me, I'm like, I'm not sure they should hold judgment on what should be on there, what should not be on there. Now, there should not be, as far as content goes, for TikTok. No, no cringe content. I think that's like, <laughs> like you don't yeah, have, like, I no. feel like builders can do things without people for it. And it looks great. Like Keystone Custom Homes, like look what they're doing. Amazing work on there. And it, it fits. There's nothing that's weird and quirky and awkward that should not be on there. Um, <laughs> but I think that's like the stereotype. Like, oh, Facebook is for this. It's like Facebook is for old people. I think it's a stereotype. It's like, not, not really. Like it, it could be, it could not be. So I think we just like get rid of the stereotypes for each platform and just if our buyers are there and we have the time and it doesn't take up, doesn't take away time for what is actually important driving leads, then yeah, give it a shot. I think also if you're thinking about content types, I think it's better to think of TikTok in terms of organic social rather than paid social because there's really Definitely. still not a way to monetize it. So don't go in there thinking it's going to be an ad. As long as you're thinking it's going to be a segment of some organic content, then I think there is a place for that. Yeah. And it's a great place to explore different styles of video because yeah. you're like, you're making a 15 second video, 30 or even three minutes like that. And that's to me, what's really interesting with TikTok is it can be three minutes. So if you're already doing, I have one builder in mind we work with that they have a live show every Tuesday. If you're listening, <laughs> they could simply record within that live two hour show, three minutes X, you know, cut that out of the clip, throw that onto TikTok, and then they're done. And it would fit TikTok content perfectly. So cool. Quick note from our supporting partner, Open Door. Does your customer need to sell before they buy? Open Door can eliminate contingencies by giving your customer an instant home buyer on their current home. They'll receive a preliminary offer within minutes with just a few questions. Open Door also offers flexible closing dates from 14 days to nine months. 
that's crazy. I did not know up to nine months. You could have a baby wow. in that time. Like That's crazy. <laughs> Go to opendoor.com slash deconvert to learn more about how you can partner with Opendoor. Okay. Now on to the news. The first one here, I actually wrote this morning. It was great. And then Julie threw it on the site, which is teamwork, making the dream work. There's a quick little update to the Facebook ad manager. I'm pretty sure it's just like the way we're interacting with it. I don't think there is going to be any delivery change, but you know, as you know, we promote using conversion campaigns for the most part. There's some circumstances where like, okay, we're not going to use a conversion campaign, but historically and currently that is the best thing to use. Well, right now, if you go to create a campaign on some accounts, they're still rolling this out. This is not every account, but it will be every account. You create a campaign, there's no conversion option. And you're like, mm. oh, ooh, ooh, the heck, <laughs> like, well, TYC said to make a conversion campaign and what's going on. So what you have to do is it's almost like Facebook is trying to make it easier. So the choices are awareness, traffic, engagement, leads, app promotion, and sales. So if you click leads, you then pick where the conversion takes place and then you select your conversion. So they're just adding this extra step of renaming like the campaign objectives for some reason. And then yeah. you have to choose where the conversion takes place, which could be on your app, offline, on a website. I think a few other choices, but all of us is the website. So yeah, I don't know if, have y'all seen how many accounts have you seen affected by this so far? I've only seen two. I haven't seen any on any of the accounts that I work with. Okay. However, what I have noticed is that there has been a glitch in the leads and then also the page view conversions. So I've had to go back and use the event setup tool in the pixel and just go back to the websites to make sure the contact page buttons are capturing the conversion. Gotcha. Which could be the, you're using the event setup tool. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. Within the, the pixel. So we're getting nerdy on the podcast. So you go to, <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah. no, it's good. No, no, this is good. <laughs> if you're listening, you could Google, you could Google it and you'll find out how to do it. But yes. if you're looking at your, your events manager and then you go to your pixel and then you go to settings, yes. it's on that page. Oh. Super cool tool. It's what Google yeah. Tag Manager should be, honestly. Um, yeah. Because you just click a button. You're like, if someone submits or clicks this button, I want it to be a lead, to register as a lead. And you're like, it lets, it, that's it? It pops up an interface to your website, and then it searches for buttons, and you just um, select the button you want to count as a lead. Yeah. And then reporting begins. No developer needed on there. No. Yep. And I just this week had a... Um, marketing director who used to make ads all the time, but hadn't made one in a while because she has us and people on her team who do it. And she was like, ah, everything looks different. So, you know, if you have time and you have kind of a straightforward kind of ad, go in there every once in a while, try to make an ad. So I was impressed with her. She didn't want yeah. me to do it. She wanted to go in and do it. She just needed to be pointed in a couple directions because Facebook just, they like to change all things time. up and they like to confuse you. So, you know, if you're not building your own ad every once in a while, get in there and play with it and just to stay familiar with it so they don't yeah. trip you up. It's like riding a bike, but sometimes the wheels are different sizes. Or there's no <laughs> right. handlebars anymore. You're like, yep. Mark Zuckerberg, what is this? One day they'll go in there and it'll be called like meta ads or something. They'll be like, oh, yeah, where? that will happen. What was that? Do you all remember the article? If you work at Facebook now, they're called MetaMates. 
Right? Is that yeah. what it was? Was it meta? It was something meta terrible. Mates. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Awful. Oh, that's yeah. Then we had terrible names. We could be at deconvert. Okay. <laughs> On to the next one. This one is, um, by Forbes.com, what will and won't happen for email marketing in 2022? So what is y'all's takeaway on this article? Some things never change. Well, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it looks like they don't think that some of the privacy changes are going to affect things quite as much as what everybody feared in the beginning. But basically, they're just saying that still email still has its place. Email is still has a role to play and also getting into the inbox, like getting in the inbox and getting attention on the inbox is still kind of everybody's challenge. My personal takeaway for builders is as long as you focus on having good content, that's useful for your, whatever your base is of email addresses, those email addresses are valuable. They gave you the email addresses. Hopefully, don't use email addresses that they haven't yeah. given you. Yeah, so sure those are qualified yeah. people who let you have their email address. So use that valuable list. Give them good content that is going to be useful to whatever stage they are for your marketing. And just be strategic about the timing. You know, Don't put one in there, a marketing email, not an OSC email, a marketing email in their inbox every day so they get sick of you. But just deliver good content and then you won't have to worry about all this stuff. Yes. And on the metrics side, I think you really want to focus on um, the click-through rate, not the open rate. Yes. I agree. Yeah. I think about how I use email and it's hard, would that be anecdotal evidence, like my Mm -hmm. own, like, which is still evidence, but is it good evidence to use in (laughs) decision-making? I don't know. So we're going on a trip next week. And I've been to the beach in a long time. So I'm like, okay, I need like some new like swim shorts or whatever because I have gym shorts, but something different. So Chubbies, I think y'all have probably heard of Chubbies. If you haven't, everyone listening, (laughs) Chubbies.com. Go check them out. They're not sponsoring the show. (laughs) They're not a sponsor. They're not. They're not. Not not so much. So I'm on their email list because I've purchased like three or four times from them. But I don't like – I will never, ever, ever be a frequent purchaser of them. Like that's just ever. But if they looked at my open rates, they're like, Andrew's a terrible person. I'm going to scrub him off the list. He doesn't open anything. But their headline, their subjects, their subject line is interesting. I know it's from Chubby's. It's like every two or three days I get an email. I know it's there. So like maybe I have some like brand preference to them. Like I like their product. Like everything I bought has lasted a while. So I'm going to keep it in there. But if they went by my open rate, it'd be terrible. But like once I do get something, I'm like, oh, like I'm going to buy that next month or next week, whatever. So click-through rate is the better metric to use. But also like everything I do receive is relevant. Like it's they do sell men and women um, bathing suits. I've only gotten things for me, for a male. Even though they're like, Andrew, he's probably like they could probably do some analysis. Like, oh, he's married. He has kids, da-da-da. He should probably get like women's bathing suits too because he could forward it to his wife or whoever. No, they're not doing that. So I think if you have to like justify like, oh, this person probably needs this email because this, then I think that's a bad idea. But yeah, I think just relevant content is I think the, they go off your you know, purchase history because they, I've yeah. got some sweat shorts for my husband and now all, all the emails I get from them are for men's clothing. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah, they think they think you're your husband. <laughs> yeah. That's what it is. Yeah, they yeah they connect everything. It's yeah, it's it's crazy. They got my whole life um, in there, which it's only been like five or six things, but it's been consistent yeah. every year. Or so, 
The good news about open rates being less important because of the tracking is that it's not all about the clickbaity headline. So it's kind of nice that we've moved beyond that. I mean, have a good headline and you want it, but put in the headline what actually is going to be in the email instead of trying to come up with something cheesy that people will open. Yeah. Fun, fun one. The next one from Yahoo. That's... It was about on Yahoo recently, um, but this is, I think it's the wrap. It's like, it's, it's actually a pretty good um, article. Um, TikTok can circumvent Apple and Google privacy protections and access full user data to studies say, and this is a exclusive article. So it's, it's a longer article. Um, it's, it yes. gets a bit nerdy, um, but essentially to me, the summary is TikTok is doing things that U.S. companies are not able to get away with. But they might, but they might not be breaking any rules. But they're able to get away with more things. So I'm like, well, which one is it? <laughs> like, are they? Why aren't the U.S. companies? So, and but so they're being more invasive, but they're not being illegally invasive, allegedly. But who knows? Is this how they're? And they're not operating in the country in which they originate. Correct. Well, they could do. They're doing whatever they want. <laughs> Yeah, which is the, which is the thing. So they're at the bottom of the call. It's like so is TikTok safe to use? Um, in terms of personal safety of TikTok users, the concern is less about vulnerabilities that researchers found on the app. That when TikTok is doing what is with all this information gathers, um, the potential potential dangers, as is the case with all apps, is tracking user activity is a risk of threats from external actors in the compromising of user data. So. If someone were to access all of TikTok's data, that is the risk because they're getting a lot on you. And they could change, yes. they, you read this, they could change the app without an update, without you knowing. Yeah, there's, yeah. So little, I, I believe it's, it it's says it's, or, maybe they're not doing all the terrible things that they could do, but it's all in there already. So they could just yeah. start taking what data they wanted. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. But here's a question. Andrew, after reading this, does it make you want to delete TikTok from your phone? Um, so maybe I'm like glass half empty, full, I guess empty. And I'm like, NSA knows everything I'm doing. The government's watching me. And not like in some <laughs> weird conspiracy theorist way, but I'm like, I don't have an expectation of complete privacy with what's on my phone. Now, do I want that blasted all over the world? Like, Tonight at 8 p.m., here's Andrew's phone. Here's everything on it. Like that, that wouldn't be great. But I just, I, I just feel like, of course, they're like this part here. It's like TikTok's data collection is less obvious to the everyday user. The app records how long you stay on a video. I, I think every app does that. They better do that. Yeah. Um, because that's how they get watch rates, who you engage with, and what topics and content you re, you rewatch the most. It's like, of course, they know that. Why would they not know that? That's the only way they could deliver content to you. Facebook's doing that. Um, Instagram. Which is Facebook? They're all they're all doing it um, on there. So it's yeah. I, I think sometimes all pretty benign. But I think also we live in the world where we we know we're marketers on the back end, so we like when stuff can track and convert people and know what they like. People who don't live in this world, I think sometimes it takes them by surprise how much um, these companies know about them. I think we're just kind of used to it, and it's helpful to us. In a lot of ways. Definitely. It's a good read though. I think on, on some of you could see how, and and to me, I don't, I don't know if it'll ever come out, but I believe with no evidence that how they are tracking views is completely different and inflated compared to Instagram or Facebook. Like this Mm -hmm. talks about, and 
um, Instagram did this when they first came out. Like they're they're preloading or prefetching content on the feed before you get to it, so that your experience is always like it's always loading the next set of videos. So you're never waiting. So if you watch a video for 15 seconds, it's already getting what's underneath it. Instagram did that back in the day, and that's what it the popularity increased then because like you weren't waiting. You're like this thing is so fast, and in reality, it's just constantly streaming and getting more more data, yeah. uh, more content. And so that's where they talk about this in the article where TikTok is doing that as well. Um, but then this article is a little, I don't know if it's biased or what, but they're using their own video player within the app. And so they're saying this could allow them to exploit user data differently than say Facebook or Instagram. I'm like, yeah. okay, maybe. But so it's, it's, it's a little bit unknown, um, but I, I don't know. To me, it's, it just is what it is. Don't do anything you don't want your mother knowing. <laughs> I don't that's terrible that's terrible but yeah I don't think there's there's any risk um but I'm not an expert but I think those who are are like you should you should not have an iPhone you shouldn't have this you shouldn't do all these things and we of course are not going to stop stop those things yep yeah so I think that's it that's it for the news and that's it for this episode for published articles blog posts videos and more check out deconvert.com it's also the best way to find out how to connect with us on facebook instagram linkedin and everywhere else we are online see ya bye bye